we did the sound was a perfect high five sound i've <laughs> never cool. had that amazing of a high five moment i know and if we had a production team like a legit production team with us <laughs> i would tell them to like clip that yeah. sound bite of the high, high five because uh-huh. it was a perfect high five it was perfect it sounded perfect because we had everything hooked up and everything and hearing it on our headphones it was like that was just so satisfying <laughs> i know oh i just had to Share that with all of you because I know that that's a goal for everyone to have a perfect time. <laughs> I know people are really thinking about this. And we did it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, guys and gals and people who do not subscribe to those pronouns. I <laughs> Non-binary friends. Yes. Today we're talking about something that is really important to me. And you as well? Yes, very okay. much so. And I love that we're talking about it because it really, it's like my Bible. It saved me. I come back to it a lot. I've read it five times. I've listened to it two times. You know what I mean? It just really? is important to me because um, I read it at a time where it was really revolutionary, gave me really structured um tasks like action items to do Mm -hmm. and it just really helped me illuminate the fact that I was codependent and how that played out in my life wow yeah so really it was important to me it's called the four agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz it's a book I think this this might be a hot topic I don't even know if I should say this but you know the writing is sometimes a little bit redundant or like wordy yeah but it didn't matter to me it almost feels like a nostalgia thing mm-hmm. that feeling of like i don't care about any of the problems with the book yeah i just love it um i just fully ignore all of those things because i do think that as simple as it is it is so powerful yeah i mean the book can be summed up in four sentences but yeah. he explains each one in full depth mm-hmm. and some of it does sound a little repetitive yeah. and redundant but sometimes the, and that's how this podcast goes we go over points that are often redundant but yeah you have to continue to go over and over it, those things so mm-hmm. that they actually stick you know that's why i've read it so many times is because it means something different to you as you keep spiraling up in your level of healing like the spiral keeps coming around to the same points it's just you're higher in the spirals which means you have more tools to understand that and Mm. work on it you know yeah and so you're you're hearing things and processing things at a different level so it's helpful to revisit the same points yeah yeah I, i think that's there's a lot of truth to that and even though with the redundancy of this book the four agreements that he talks about not only are so helpful to codependents, but they're so helpful to just everyone. Yeah. Um, and like you said, they're actionable steps. They're actionable things that we can actually implement in our lives in order to just be happier. Absolutely. Know? So I thought we should talk about just the general premise, do a little intro. Um, this book revolves around the fact that, you know, as we grew up, we were given a set of rules or guidelines by our parents, by society, 
who also, you know, our parents also received these rules when they were younger because, again, society really is what's driving this. Um, they outline how to behave, what to think, how to feel. These rules end up becoming our beliefs. And even if we didn't, you know, choose them, or even if when we're acting in them, we don't have resistance towards them, we've accepted and agreed with them so many times that we don't even need at some point society or our parents to like watch over us, make sure we're adhering to them. We end up doing it ourselves because we then agree with these rules. We then start being the person who makes sure we abide by them, mm-hmm. you know? Like the uns- unspoken beliefs of yes. society. And stuff that we don't think overtly, we don't realize we're believing that, but we just act in it, you know? Yeah, we subscribe to them without even realizing. Yeah. Yeah. But these beliefs set, actually set us up for suffering. You know, not only do we suffer when we break the rules, but also whenever someone else brings up a mistake that we've made. We keep reminding of ourselves of all these mistakes based on these fake rules that are <laughs> in our mind, you know. Yeah. And so we end up judging ourselves and punishing ourselves. But, you know, we have the power to break these beliefs and form more self-love instead. We want to replace it with self-love. And to create more agreements with ourselves out of love rather than fear, because oftentimes that's the main basis of the beliefs we instill in ourselves and other people. Totally. So what I really love is that the purpose of the four agreements is to help you reclaim power. Amazing. And who doesn't want more power in their life, honestly? And we need more of it. power. That's what I think makes everyone able to be the most them. Yeah, and I really like this point here where it talks about agreements out of love versus fear, like what you talked about, because they're two polar opposite sides of the coin. It's the motivation. Yeah, and I think growing up, if you think about it, everything is tailored to fear as we're growing up. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, hold my hand as we cross the street. Mm -hmm. You might get hit by a car. Like, even just things like that. Like, everything around us is designed to possibly kill us, and we're taught as kids to just be fearful of everything, Yeah, you know? Um, and that just goes along with some of these unspoken rules and mm-hmm. agreements that we've also silently agreed to, mm-hmm. where it's like more out of fear, you know, yeah. not out of loving ourselves. Totally. Cause it, that will bleed into other decisions that'll bleed into how we perceive other things in life. And then that fear, uh, ends up taking over. Yeah. You know, totally. Yeah, so what are these four agreements? What are we agreeing to, Megan? Okay, so the first agreement is be impeccable with your word. Oh, man. I suck at this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I do think codependents do because we we say yes all the time when we mean no. Mm-hmm. We say things we don't mean and we mean things we don't say. I mean, it it is hard. I mean, I literally mean that is so hard for me. I know. <laughs> And that's hard to admit that because I think, um, I don't know, a lot of us like want to pride ourselves on being mm-hmm. someone impeccable mm-hmm. with our word. But that... we're like, no, I don't lie. No, I don't. Exactly. I'm not dishonest. But it's like, well, that can take on a form that's sneaky. It sneaks in. Exactly. It's like the control thing we talked about in the mm-hmm. last episode where it it's controlling in a sneaky way. Mm-hmm. It's not outward control. It's just sneaky control. It's the same way with this, yeah. you know. We can mm-hmm. sneakily mm-hmm. Um, not be lying, but not be truthful with who we're, who yep. we are. Yeah. Right. Totally. Because our words are powerful. Words are powerful. I think we all understand that at this point. Often, you know, it causes ourselves suffering when we are not careful with 
how we speak. You know, what we say leaves an imprint on others, and we're imprinted by others' words. Yes. Like, we may not mean to cause harm, but but we don't know how our words affect others. And their people's words can change our perception mm-hmm. of ourself, of life, mm-hmm. you know? And even in our own minds, I think, you know, he makes this point, begin using words to be kind. Mm-hmm. The Make the point of using words to be kind. Mm-hmm. And actually first focus on yourself. Like, notice how you talk to yourself. Right. You know, and transform your self-talk to be kinder and mm-hmm. then you know that will in turn help you spread that kindness to other people because what you do with yourself to yourself how you see yourself that's that will be mirrored in your actions for sure i do have a quick story on this one mm-hmm. on being impeccable with your word uh, i had a, a um a rude awakening when it comes to this mm-hmm. in in a sense because uh when I was in my early twenties, um, I was living with roommates Mm -hmm. and my roommate's friend came over with her kid who was like, I want to say like five or six at the time. And he was a really sweet little boy. We were talking and hanging out and chatting and stuff. And he talked about how he loves, um, building airplanes. And I actually, I used to do that with my dad sometimes as we get these like model airplanes and build them from scratch. Mm. And so I told the kid, I was like, hey, maybe um, next time we hang out, we can build a plane together. And I said it in a very passive way. But when you say that to a kid, it's like cementing it. Mm -hmm. So to him, he like legit was like, okay, we're building this plane. Next Mm -hmm. time I see you, we're going to build this plane. And so he ended up coming over another time and he was just like, oh, so are we going to build that plane? I was like, oh... And it wasn't, like, a time where I could do that with him, and I felt really bad. And it's not like I, like, made a legit promise to him, but as a kid, if Mm -hmm. you say something, they're going to take it as, like, okay, we're going to... Any sort of maybe we can do this, the kid's like, we're doing it. excellent. We're doing that. So it was kind of a hard lesson because I felt super bad. The kid was, like, genuinely disappointed. Mm -hmm. He was like, oh, I thought we were going to, like, build a plane today. And I was like, I am so sorry. Like, no, I don't. First of all, I don't have the materials for us to do that. But, like, Mm -hmm. secondly, I didn't have time that day and all this stuff. Um, And he, I can just see how disappointed he was. And it for me, it was kind of a lesson. And, well, Brooke, just don't openly say stuff without yeah, like yeah. actually meaning it mm-hmm. um and that was my lesson so yeah totally <laughs> that's a that's, just a quick story but, yeah. yeah i feel like it yeah things just kind of can slip out really easily especially as a codependent even things like oh no worries yeah. it's like well even if like if somebody apologizes oh no no it's not a big deal it's like just say thank you you yeah. know, be, be true. You don't have to be rude. Always try to be kind. Like the, you know, the idea of use our words for kindness, but they don't, you don't have to constantly try to be avoiding conflict by being dishonest or not telling the truth, you know? Right. Right. Exactly. So it's, it's a balance of all of those things, you know, it Re- is. recognizing if what you're saying is true and not promising something to someone you don't mean mm-hmm. spreading kindness with your words and then also being true to yourself with what you say you know instead of it's just the hardest thing for me (laughs) for me it's really hard and time like the timing of okay so like when someone's talking to me and then they expect me to respond to them Mm -hmm. I put pressure on myself to immediately respond yeah and I think we all need to normalize like 
taking a beat. <laughs> a maybe is an answer. Maybe is an answer or I don't know is an answer, right? Mm-hmm. I think we all get like, we have to know some things so we'll pull something out of our yeah. ass and it's like, it's okay to not know yeah. the answer to this. Um, and I think just like being honest in the moment and just being like, I don't know this thing or um, actually I lost my train of thought. But yeah, that's basically what it comes totally. down to. Totally. I actually just had a moment like that at work because my one of my bosses was like, did you get a chance to answer the questions in my email? And I knew that it wasn't time sensitive, so I shouldn't be like apologetic that mm-hmm. I didn't yet. And I had a plan for it and had already sent out emails to get questions. Like I wasn't neglecting it, but in my mind I was like, oh no, I need to come up with some elaborate reason about why I didn't do that thing. Yeah. And ultimately I didn't, but I was super awkward when I was expressing, no, I haven't, but I've sent out the emails. I have a plan. I can get that to you in two weeks. Yeah. You know, that should be fine. Right. (laughs) But I, in my, I was so awkward about it because I was trying to respond in a healthy way where I wasn't lying. I was being impeccable with my word yeah. and I wasn't creating some elaborate story and I wasn't whatever, but I also wasn't apologizing. Mm-hmm. And I guess I did with the actual words I said, but my tone was so weird because I just felt so uncomfortable <laughs> that I was like, okay, it's, it's, a, it's progress. Yeah, exactly. It's progress. It, it was not going to look perfect every time. Mm-hmm. And as long as you're checking yourself. Oh, my point before was just taking a beat before responding to find out what the author answer is before yeah. you just like blurt out something mm-hmm. exactly so just in the moment stopping pausing and saying what do i really want to say mm-hmm. what is the truth here yeah. um always take the time to do that and i think it's important to um not just immediately speak all the time i, yeah. I put pressure on myself all the time to just talk instead of mm-hmm. wait you know yeah you can take a beat yeah absolutely what's the second agreement brooke the second agreement is don't take anything personally. No. <laughs> <laughs> this one is probably the toughest. Mm. I mean, for all of us. For, for, it's so hard. I think everybody sees life through their own lens. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to break out of that or maybe not break out of that, but like add other perspectives into it. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, this must just be human nature, not that we can't get better at it, but it has to be hard for everyone. Yeah, I know. It's, it almost is, like, our nature, our, our, um, our default is to take things so personally, right? How does what you're saying relate to me, really, is what our brain is saying, you know? Yeah, all the time, though, all the time, and it's to the point where, like, I'll take something so personal that is, like, far from being personal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm the master of that. Anything you say. Yeah. Oh, actually, my coworker and I were just talking about this yesterday. Like, I... What were we talking about? I said something about... Oh, I interviewed somebody. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I was telling them what I thought and compare, comparing two of the interview candidates. And I said, this person is more... I said they were both great. I would say this person is more well-rounded and blah, blah, blah. This person seemed a little bit... Um, like, I didn't say immature, but that's kind of what I meant. Like, young, kind of green, you know? Mm. And um, and she was kind of quiet, and I was like, what, oh, you don't agree, or what, what's up? And she goes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. When you were talking, all I could hear was that you think those things about me. 
Oh my gosh, really? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I get that so much. Like anything somebody says, not good stuff, any yeah. negative thing somebody says, I'm like, oh my gosh, you were thinking that about me and that's why it was in your mind to think that about that person. Like I totally get that. Oh, I do that all the time. Like I, that just happened at work with me too. Like my supervisor had like a, a quick meeting with me and was discussing something about what someone else does on our team a lot. And mm-hmm. I immediately was like, she's trying to tell me. Yeah. This is her indirect way of telling me. It's like, well, no, she would tell you yeah. up front if it was you. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know? exactly. That's so bizarre. It's so weird how we do that. And it's that kind of like wrong. narcissistic of us almost right. to always be like, it's about me. I guess it's that like id ego thing. It's like, that's our ego, right? Yeah. Being like, yeah. don't tell me who I am. This is who I am. Or yeah. I don't know, something. And it comes down to that example that we brought up many times where, like, someone in your life just completely switches up their behavior on you, and mm-hmm. then you immediately think it's something that had to do with you. Yes, yeah. Whatever you're doing is about me. Actually, that's funny. Under don't take things personally, it says not everything is about you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> says that. So that is exactly yeah. that and example. My dad, I hate to be my dad, but because uh, I brought him up in the last episode as well, but... Um, we every time we have a discussion about certain people or things he'll always relate it back to like and I just was wondering if they said that because you know me and then something about mm-hmm. him and I'm like they probably weren't thinking about you at all dad yeah you know um because most people are thinking about themselves exactly. they're not really thinking about you to our point <laughs> exactly so. yeah uh, no it says not everything is about you okay <laughs> it doesn't say okay <laughs> yeah what someone does or says isn't because of you. It's about the other person because all people live there in their own mind. So what others say and do is because of the agreements they have in their own mind. It's due to Correct. their programming. Mm-hmm. And if you take it personally, you are then agreeing that that thing you took personally is true. And then you perpetuate your own toxic agreements in your mind. It's a vicious cycle. Right, right. And then I know some people to this would be like, but how do you, how do you not take anything personally? Like, what if someone says you're a piece of shit? How are you not right. supposed to take that personal? And I feel like that is touched on in the book as well, because he says, even if they do say something about you, that's their opinion based on their agreements of life, their perspective of you, the moments they've seen of you. It is not an actual objective fact about your soul. Mm. And so to detach from that and just realize that is wh- why ever they think that is about them. Right. You know? Right. And that's super hard for some people to do, right? Because it's like, well, they're calling me a piece yeah. of shit. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously it's personal. Yeah. It's and like, I mean, obviously, take it. Uh, if somebody's having it, inter- like five people are having intervention with you, maybe think about it might be you, <laughs> you know? But <laughs> I just mean, you know, yeah. in general. Somebody, right. especially if it's somebody that you don't have in your life that you don't care to listen to their opinion. Right, right. You know? There's so many factors as to why someone might say something Mm -hmm. shitty to you. It doesn't always have to be so personal. And most of the times it's not. They're usually going through some crisis on their own. You don't even know what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, and I like this point too because it says this happens in our own minds when random thoughts come up Mm -hmm. that conflict with our beliefs. We don't need to agree with that immediately. Yeah. You know, and that's really important. Like, when you make it a strong habit to not make everything personally, you'll find that you'll have a huge amount of freedom because you are the only one you have to listen to. And again, it says choose peace and happiness over anger and fear. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's super important, for sure. Mm-hmm. 
So what is the next agreement, Megan? Ooh, this one's big. It's don't make assumptions. Hmm. Don't make assumptions, <sighs> huh? I'm going to well, assume that that's a terrible idea. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> this is so funny because I feel like in my therapy this come has come up. I don't know if I, the, I would say the most probably of all the things because Sue loves to bring this up because ugh. I think both, both me and you probably do this of making yep. assumptions a lot. Yeah. And she gave me, I don't know if she gave you that list of, I, I don't know. She said it was like some person's developed list of questions, but I don't know who it was. And you have to go through it. And when you're assuming something, you say, is this true? Hmm. Is this actually true? And um, then it kind of gets more and more specific. Like, is it true that that person did that thing? Hmm. Yes or no? Okay. Is it true that when they were doing that thing that they were thinking about me? Okay. Well, no, I don't know that. (laughs) Okay. And then is it true that, and then you just, it just gets more and more and more specific. And then it kind of allows you to realize that you are assuming a lot about your thought Mm -hmm. and step back and not partner with it. Interesting. And you know, what's crazy is that assumptions are sneaky as hell too, Mm -hmm. because I often don't think I'm making an assumption Mm -hmm. when I really actually am. Yeah. And so like, I would just talk normally with Sue and like, She'd be like, so what's up? And I'd be like, well, you know, this is happening and this, this, this and happening. And, well, you know, that's happening because of that. And then she's like, well, wait, where, what, where's the connection there? Like, what, why that? And I was like, well, and then I say it and she's like, are you assuming, I mean, is that an assumption or do you know that as a right, fact? Right, And I'd be like, whoa, wait, I didn't realize that that was even an assumption. You're you like, know? great question. Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes we'll, we'll just automatically think it's mm-hmm. so true that there's no yes. way it's not true. This is why I love therapy because yeah. there are moments where you have to almost, um, <laughs> what is the phrase? Not short wire. It's like short circuit, short circuit your brain to yeah. be like, Hey, stop. Yeah. And it's hard to do that without an outside person <laughs> asking you those questions. That's going to do that. For sure. And sometimes an entire thought train that led to an emotion that led to an experience for mm-hmm. you was all based off an yep. assumption and you had yep. no idea that it was. And now you're exhausted for no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Joe Dispenza talks about this a lot. He talks about how like our thoughts cre- or our beliefs, our thoughts create beliefs and then those beliefs create yep. emotions yep. or I forgot what the whole thing. He has a whole way. <laughs> I totally butchered that. He has like a system for how it all gets processed in our yeah. body. But it's if it's all based off an assumption mm-hmm. then it can't mm-hmm. be true there we go and we don't need to go through that whole thing we don't need to waste our energy and our resources for that right because it says when we interact with others and there's an unknown in some aspect of the relationship our mind makes an assumption to give ourselves closure mm-hmm. so it's not important to us if the answer is correct it, we just want an answer to feel safe and that is true even in brain injury when i'm working with stroke patients or tbi patients oftentimes They'll fill in the blank of mm-hmm. something that they they don't have the information to when we're working on problem solving or like literally physically looking to the left of an item ends up being a, a symptom of a certain site of lesion in the brain. And even though they can't see what's on the left side of a sentence, they'll read a full sentence create just filling in random words. Hmm. in front of it because your brain knows there's a gap and it doesn't like that so it just fills in something just so it can be complete but 
then, but it's not accurate. That's fascinating, actually. Right. So the the brain wants to do that. It doesn't want to have empty spaces. I guess it's just my point. The connection, you mm. know. And so we'll do that when there's like a. I had no idea about that. That is really fascinating. Yeah. Holy crap. I didn't know our brains do that. It's insane. It is insane. And really, we're so out of control of, like, our, our of what we do. Our, our brains f- control so much that we don't even realize is happening. That yeah. I think, like, I don't know. It just takes... It, I'm in awe of it, you know? And I think it wow. makes these types of things to work on a little bit more important for me because this is all I have to control. I don't control so much. Like, I know I don't control so much in my brain that I guess I'm just trying to control what I can, you know? Well, this, if you think about it, this really is the only thing we have control over, essentially, is, like, our assumptions of things. Yeah. Right? Right. How we respond to things. Our conclusion, yeah, like mm-hmm. what we're concluding on everything around us, which right. should we even be concluding so much? Right, right. I mean, why are we coming up with assumptions about things? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. And I mean, a lot of times we're we're drawing conclusions when really we should be clarifying or communicating, reasoning, you know? And mm-hmm. I don't know. We all Also, we do this with ourselves, like under or overestimating ourselves because we don't want to take time to ask ourselves questions. Yeah. And it's always better to ask questions than to make assumptions because assumptions at the end of the day sets us up for suffering, you know, and you have to find your voice. You have to ask for what you want, Mm -hmm. focus on clear communication. Yeah. Absolutely. Be clear. Communicate. What are your boundaries? Ask a question when you don't know the answer. Don't just assume. Mm -hmm. It is easier said than done because it does get awkward at some points in some moments but it will lead to clarity more peace less reaction out of fear again that's the motif is like we, we just want to hold on to our peace mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah and then the next agreement is always do your best and what's funny is like okay so this is kind of on a random note but when i first read this book it was actually back in high school mm-hmm. and i remember reading all these four agreements and thinking they're super basic and like mm-hmm. i don't know i wrote them off because i was like that's totally. stupid you yeah. seem too simple. Yeah, almost. It's so ridiculous when things are simple, but you want to write them off because they're simple. Right. And it's like, well, actually, most of life's like... That's where the wisdom is. That's where it's at. It's, it's really the simple shit. Is it easy? No, that's different. Yeah. Easy is a different word than simple. Right. <laughs> it's simple, but it's not easy mm-hmm. to execute a lot of this, right? Exactly. But with always doing your best, this agreement is the most important because it allows the other agreements to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Under any circumstances, always do your best. No more and no more, no more, no less. When you try to do, or when you try too hard to do something more than your best, when you try too hard to do something um, more so than your best. It's saying when you try too hard to do more than your best, mm-hmm. then you'll expend more energy than is needed. Mm-hmm. So don't try to do even more than what you have the capacity for in that moment. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yes. And, uh, yes, do, don't, don't do more than what's needed in that moment. Um, cause you'll deplete your body. So when you do less than your best, you subject yourself to things like judgment and regret. Yes. So that's the other side of the coin. Exactly. And I feel, I do this constantly. It's almost like it's hard to come to that middle ground. It's yeah. like when I feel good enough to do something, I'm like, yeah, 
out, I feel good. So maybe I could just rest because it'll be relaxing because I feel good. But then when I'm trying to do something, I'm like, it's not enough. And then I try to do more and then I'm stressed or overwhelmed, yeah. you know? Yeah. Do you ever have the issue of not doing, like, do you feel like you overdo it on doing your best or do you underdo it on doing your best at certain things? Um, I would usually say, well, I think it maybe kind of depends on what it is. Like, at work, overdo. Okay. Um... Maybe with, like... Because you genuinely enjoy what you do. I forgot. Yeah, I, I hate my job. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I'm trying to compute what you've just said. Um. <laughs> I forget that people actually like their jobs out here. forgot that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think probably I would say at work overdue. Maybe with, like, some personal daily goals underdue. I'll be like, eh, I'll do it tomorrow. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. I definitely think that since I'm not loving my job that I'm at um Mm -hmm. I'm in this complacent attitude of like I'm starting to kind of slack versus not continue to do my best and I'm Mm -hmm. just I'm just being honest honestly um I'm honestly being honest you know what I mean well it's important to honestly be honest (laughs) (laughs) and I think it's like we get into these stages of um what is the word that I just used complacency complacency yeah and that's where I'm at with my job right now. And yeah. I'm slipping into this mode of kind of half-assing stuff. And I'm trying to get out of it because it's uh, not a good place to be. And mm-hmm. honestly, even if you don't like whatever you're doing in life, I mean, if it's a monotonous cho- chore or something that you just don't want to do, but doing it your best, you're yeah. always going to feel good at yeah. the end of the day. Totally. So, like, I'm going through this right now where I'm trying to push myself to continue to do my best at my job even though it's not something I'm thrilled about. Because I want that satisfaction at the end of the day. It's that personal self-esteem and empowerment that we keep talking about, you know? Exactly. If you always do your best, there is no space to judge yourself. There we go. That's what you just said. Yep. Don't expect that you will always be able to be impeccable with your word. Don't expect that you will never make another Mm -hmm. assumption again. Mm -hmm. Just continue to do your best and to continue trying regardless of what happens. Don't judge yourself. Just be where you're at. Yeah. And your best, it's, it's, your best is going to change from moment to moment. It's really important to highlight that because Uh there's periods of our lives where we're just not able to give a hundred percent to something. We might be able to give 75% to that thing. Right. Yes. But not beating ourselves up for giving that 75% Mm -hmm. is crucial. Just being honest with ourselves about what capacity we have. Cause I feel like we're in this culture of like hustle, 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 do the most all the time. And I feel like that really is detrimental because you're cutting off your ability to get to know yourself and get Mm -hmm. to know what you have the capacity for. Right. You know what I mean? Because then I'm like doubting myself if I really do have the capacity for 100% versus 75 because I'm never actually diagnosing that. I'm I'm just trying to give 100%. Right, right, right. There's this really awesome meme that, like, shows all these bubbles, and I don't know if you've seen this before. You know, like, those bubbles that you would fill out on a test, like, um... Oh, yeah. The Scantron? The Scantron, yes, those those bubbles. It says, like, this looks like doing your best, and it shows all the circles filled to to the brim. And then this says, this is also doing your best. Mm-hmm. And then it shows all different levels of the circle being filled up. Yeah. And I love that because it's like, that also is doing your best. It's not always going to look like yeah. 100% circle, fold circles all yeah. the time. You know yeah. what I mean? Exactly. The so. end goal of your best changes distance 
Yeah. As you get sick, it'll lessen. As you get overwhelmed and have more stuff to do at work or with your family, it'll lessen. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, that just, that's how life is. Yeah. And we have to respect that. It's not an inherent problem you have. Right. You know? Right. And it all comes down to balance and it mm-hmm. all comes down to like realizing that life is meant to be hard and there's yeah. going to be moments where it's not always the, the best, mm-hmm. but you're, you're doing your best and that's yeah. all that matters. Yeah. And that know? just looks different and that's okay. It looks different for every person and yeah. it's, we shouldn't judge people for doing their best because yeah. I think a lot of us are like, oh, that person's such a slack or whatever. Right. We make judgments. Yeah. But it's like, maybe that's all they can give right exactly. now. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then I think that's true too, not judging other people and just recognizing the different, that that other people are also going through that same thing. So yeah. you can't judge someone because you don't know what they're going through. Exactly. It's so important. Mm-hmm. But really, we just wanted to talk about this um, book because it's really a lot of these points, these agreements mm-hmm. are things that codependents struggle with on a daily basis. Really helped me. Don't, and if you're reading it for the first time, don't be swayed by the wordiness or the simplicity yeah. of how it's written. Yes. Let it sink in because it really, really helped. It really made me realize what I was doing. Yes. yes. You know? And sometimes you'd need those repetitive sentences to mm-hmm. really stick. So Nail it in. Really, we do recommend reading this book. Like, our counselor, Sue, has mentioned this book several times, and she is a genius. <laughs> we love her, period. Yeah. But we just have one other question for you. <gasps> do, do you, you like us? us?